However, standing by right now is the one and the only, Sean Mooney. Who? Mooney, everybody's got a price for the Million Dollar Man. <laughs> After you threw him off through the announce table, Taker climbs back down, he gets in the ring, and he goes, see if he's breathing. So right before I called 911, I thought she'd fallen asleep. Kind of shook her a little bit to, to wake her up, and she did not respond. I don't go down to my go to my grave, testifying or whatever, swearing that Davy was not on drugs. If he was on drugs, the way Brett says, how does I mean, how great does that make Davy? Are you laughing, Sean? I get off the track here all the time. Did you just laugh, Sean? You go ahead and chop me. Just give me a big chop. I'll sell. I'll give you my whole chest and everything. And then I'll look at you like this, and then I'll punch you right in the mouth as hard as I can. <laughs> Attention, Sean Mooney, you scum, you slime, you maggot. If there's no further questions, you're dismissed. Carry on, maggot. Welcome, everybody, once again to an episode of Primetime with Sean Mooney. As uh, we roll along here, uh, folks, wherever you are in the world right now, I hope you are safe and healthy. Uh, there is a lot going on uh, in our world with the pandemic uh, still, and then there's great unrest here in our country. But, folks, that is not what this podcast is about. We are here to talk about the great world of professional wrestling. We are coming off an episode. Uh, we had Marty Bell on, who is uh, with the NWA now, but uh, just an incredible person who has worked really hard in the business and uh, is doing everything she can to push uh, along women in professional wrestling, and we are seeing just great things done by women in this business. Uh, the time that I was working, uh, they we had our stars, Miss Elizabeth, we had Sensational Sherry, but not like what we're seeing now where they're really uh, getting equal footing. Uh, and it's uh, there's certainly room for them to even grow more, but we're seeing that every day, and I want to thank Marty Bell for coming on. That was a great conversation. But uh, we follow every conversation up with another great one. And my guest this week was part of one of the most popular tag teams that I had the honor to uh, cover uh, <laughs> in the event center and uh, backstage. Uh, they were uh, just a, a great, a great tag team. And it was an era when, when tag teams were just fantastic. The Killer Bees and B. Brian Blair has been on the program before. And folks, if you want to hear about his fantastic career and, of course, uh, the Killer Bees with... Uh, jump and Jim Brunzel, please check out that episode in the library because it's a great one. You know, I, I have to tell and I'll tell our guests when we bring him here. Uh, you can see him there if you're watching. Uh, but some of the greatest stories ever uh, in, in the history of my podcast are contained in that episode. But <laughs> B. Brian Blair, thank you so much for coming on. And this time around, I've got a lot of stuff to talk to you about, especially a great organization called the Cauliflower Alley Club. Uh, which you are president and CEO of, and a host of other topics. Brian, thank you for coming on Primetime. How are you? Uh, Sean, it's a pleasure to be on Primetime with you once again. I mean, you're a terrific host. I'm not just saying that because you're sitting across the uh, Skype television with me, but <laughs> it's because you're a terrific man. You uh, you do a lot of great things for uh, the common good of our people, and we need that right now. And um, We're in a divided world. And uh, wrestling is kind of a platform that kind of brings everybody together. Yeah. So we can all smile and, and talk about our favorite wrestlers, talk about some great stories, and talk about what's coming up in the future, and, um, and hopefully uh, bring some peace to some people's lives right now that really need it. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, and and uh, while we're talking about the business, uh, Brian, it is a really tough time for professional wrestlers because, as you know, as well as anybody who's ever worked in the business, you're pretty much an independent contractor. And that's a really nice term to say that, hey, uh, you work pretty much day by day. And that was true uh, back when you were with the World Wrestling Federation. You guys were not under contract. So if anybody can talk about what some of these guys are going through right now, you can. Sure, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Sean, it's kind of like I bought the the independent contractor deal the whole time I was working for Vince. And then when I um, gave my notice before WrestleMania 5 and told Vince that I wanted to start my own business and I was just tired of working 67 days in a row. Um, you know, I was married, two kids, two little boys, um, um, and I uh, didn't get to really see him. I watched Jim Brunzel crying in Australia one time, just bawling because he couldn't see his, uh, his daughter's graduation. Uh, we had been on the road at that time, almost 70 days uh, straight, five different countries. And it's so hard on the family life. People, they don't really understand how hard it is. We never had uh, 401k plans. We never had, nobody does that now. He does have financial education for uh, many of the guys. And he's stepped up uh, the quality of things. But going back to the individual contractor, when I became, when I started my first Gold's Gym, um, everything was okay because I had my own aerobics instructors there. But then when I branched out and started multiple Gold's Gyms, I thought that uh, aerobics instructors could be my contractors and I'd have to take money out of their pay. Um, um, they couldn't be individual contractors uh, um, if I told them that they could only work at Gold's Gyms, at my Gold's Gyms. Right. So, I, you know, the more... Having uh, four Gold's Gyms, I figured I'd had enough where I could just keep all the girls to create a bigger following. Then my accountant told me, if you tell them that they can't work at Bally's or LA Fitness or Prime Fitness or whatever competition you may have, if you tell them that they cannot work there, then they are, in, in a in sense, an employee. So I had to create an aerobics, a head aerobics instructor in each uh, club and then they would uh, hire the floating instructors so that they would have their class in my clubs so that then they would be an individual contractor and I didn't have to withhold taxes which would have cost me more money mm-hmm. um, I couldn't keep them as an individual contractor and that's why I don't understand how pro wrestling gets away with it when you cannot if you're working for AEW or WWF or NWA, you're going to work there unless they give you permission to go somewhere else, which is highly doubtful. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the way it was back then, though. And, and it was just, okay, uh, if you don't like it, then you can walk. And you had no power. So you went by those rules If you know, to be with the WWF. And, and uh, you know, they got away with that for an awful long time until you had uh, people come along uh, and start to change it. Hulk Hogan was certainly one of those people. Uh, Randy Savage, uh, you know, by the, the box office that they were helping to bring in. You, you of course, with the tag teams that when, you know, it just started to take the world. But it took a while, really, until uh, those Monday Night Wars when uh, these guys were able to go south and they were giving them big contracts that, that changed the world. But I, 
you mentioned all the things you missed when you were working because you guys knew you had to keep working. You couldn't uh, take a time off. Uh, the company wasn't going to give you a couple of weeks and, uh, you know, and, and say, well, okay, yeah, take your vacation time. You've got health insurance is all covered. You know, you guys had to work because you didn't know if, you know, you broke your leg the next day, you're out for nine months to a year. That kills you. So it really uh, was a really uh, tough time to work in the business. And of course, nobody's saying you didn't love it. It wasn't uh, this great ride. But at the same time, people had to real have to realize that it was it was very tough. Very, very tough. And yeah. when you're an when you're an individual uh, contractor, um, you you pay an extra one percent in taxes, whereas the employer gets off the hook completely. You don't. You just give them a ten ninety nine, and bada boom, they're yeah. responsible for their own taxes. And again, they pay an extra one percent. At least that's the way it was uh, in uh, two thousand and the year two thousand. Then I got into politics and got away, but I always continue to wrestle, whether it was Japan or, I mean, there's independence. The independence got so hot in the 90s. Uh, when I left Vince, uh, 89, I started, I had more bookings, Brunzel and I, uh, Brunzel stayed for a while, but I was having more bookings and more places. And then finally Jimmy left and, uh, I, you know, I went to Russia with the Samoans and Bam Bam Bigelow, who did uh, Curacao, Aruba, and Bon Air. Dick Worley promoted that. We'd go to Europe. I mean, it, it, it was all over. Wrestling was so hot because the tapes were like three years behind on mm -hmm. the rotation. So you were fresh everywhere that you went to. And um, that's a part of wrestling history that's kind of left out. It was if you watched any of the Dark Side of the Ring episodes, mm -hmm. The uh, UWF episode was the second highest uh, rated episode of the year. And I think a lot of that had to do, Sean, with the fact that um, uh, people weren't really sure of what the UWF was, UWF was. And they were curious. Well, you know, I want to see that part of history. What was the UWF? And yeah. so they got to see that. Yeah. And uh, that was a great episode. Uh, um, I'm sure you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, we... Relives, I relive some uh, very interesting times. Herb Abrams was yeah. a very interesting person. Yeah, so, you had. Some, I think you had some of the best quotes in that whole documentary. Oh, That's well, thank great. you. I appreciate it. Hey, um, uh, while we're on the subject, though, talking about independent contractors um, and, and what they're what's happening today, because what's what is different is that these guys have nowhere to go, and the fact that you know that they are you know now um, just out of work and we have no idea when they're going to have crowds back in arenas. And until they have that, these guys aren't going to be working. No, and that's a sad thing. Um, and it's doubly sad to see um, businesses now. Like, I live in Florida. So Florida mm -hmm. was one of the last, Florida and Georgia were two of the last states to close and two of the first to open. And our uh, C-19 rate has declined dramatically. So there's a, there's a lot of outside inf, uh, influence happening. And I think that, you know, um, I know that um, one of the Disney attractions are going to be opening uh, very soon. Um, our bars and restaurants are open. They're supposed to be 50% capacity. And people, you know, they're kind of, they're doing good business. And if you, if you saw the uh, uh, employment 
rate today. They were predicting a loss of, I believe, 90 million jobs, and we gained 2.5 million jobs. Yeah. So never count America down, never count America out, and um, uh, Americans are the some of the most resilient people in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Wrestling will be back. Yeah, and in the meantime, uh, you know, these guys are doing whatever they can to work. Some of them uh, have actually gone back to doing other jobs and uh, fortunately, some of them are still under contract and they're able to get some things done. But it is a really difficult time. And, you know, folks, when it does bounce back, they're really going to need you. And in the meantime, uh, you can support them uh, by buying their merchandise and, you know, going online and uh, joining their Patreons and all of those because these guys have families, too. Uh, I do want to get to the, the, the main topic I really wanted to talk about is the Cauliflower Alley Club. Uh, Brian, which I know you're a huge part of, the president and CEO. And I remember uh, after I left the World Wrestling Federation, and you know I was close friends with Alfred Hayes. Sure. And he, he used to talk about uh, how much he loved going to those events because it was this kinship, this camaraderie that, uh, you know, that you can't get anywhere else. Uh, let's just kind of, let's start from the beginning. Tell us what the... Uh, club is all about its beginnings and uh, the purpose of it and how it evolved. <laughs> it actually evolved in uh, uh, with Mike Mazurki back at the Elks Lodge in California. And the guys, Mike Mazurki was a famous actor. If you Google him, he's been in over 200 films, uh, many classic John Wayne films. He was also a big time wrestler um, as far as making dollars uh, a main event uh, attraction. And Mike made a lot of money. So he was a very generous and philanthropic uh, type man. Um, so he would have gatherings and he'd get together and a bunch of the guys would come, Carl Lauer and uh, Red Bastine and, and, and different guys from back then um, uh, would gather and they were the young guys kind of then. And, right. and so they would, uh, Mike would ask who's, who, what, which one of the boys, uh, how many of the boys do we have that are hurting that need a hand up? And so guys would bring reports back and they'd discuss it. And so then they would send um, like Carl and um, and Red and um, Mike LaBelle and uh, different guys like that uh, out with envelopes of money to hand to these different guys that were down on their uh, financial fortune, uh, on their financial luck um, in search of their fortune uh, in the wrestling industry. So that's how it started in 1965. Since then, it's morphed. Uh, and we've had over 8,000 members. Um, we currently have about uh, 1,300 active members. We've, um, when I took over, we uh, in 2014, we were down to about 700 active members. So we've almost we've almost doubled uh, our membership, doubled um, the revenue intake, and doubled the amount of money that we give out. Wow. We have we have people uh, almost every day filling out benevolent requests. They can go to the Cauliflower Alley Club website, and all you have to do is have, if you've made a full-time living in the wrestling industry, whether you were a guy behind the scenes working for the uh, wrestling business, such as yourself, uh, whether it was a referee who's a very important, everybody's important in the industry from from the timekeeper to everybody. I mean, everybody's important to make this show 
what it has to be. Um, and we feel as a board at the Cauliflower Alley Club and just carrying on from what the old timers, um, uh, sometimes I don't like that word because I'm an old timer. Now. <laughs> right. Yeah. But uh, you know, about we, seasoned uh, veterans. Seasoned vets. Yeah. Seasoned, <laughs> I like that. Seasoned vets would. Yeah, uh, okay. Would uh, you know carry on, and so I learned from like the Carl Lowers and the Nick Bockwinkles and the Red Bastines. Those guys taught me so much about you know how to run the club and the purpose of the club. Our mission statement is you know to help those that um, have fallen on financial hard times that uh, made a living in the industry for three years or more. And, um, you know, we've helped, there are people that we can name their names, although we keep them anonymous unless they say, you know, uh, cause a lot of people are very shy about getting help. So, uh, and sometimes you almost have to nudge them, you know, Hey, you know, I heard, I'll, I'll make a phone call, a couple phone calls a week. You know, I heard through the grapevine that, you know, I'll call them up, see how they're doing first and see if they offer anything, but then I'll kind of get around to the point, you know, if let's say it was, hey, Sean, uh, uh, somebody, I just heard a rumor that Sean Moody was having a little bit of, little bit of a challenge right now. And I want you to know there's nothing wrong with that. We all go through that. And that's what the Cauliflower Alley Club is for. And if you'd be so kind as to fill out a benevolent request, um, you know, I'll see if we can help you out. Mm. And we won't mention your name unless you want it mentioned. And um, fortunately, we've had guys like Kamala, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, Bobby the Brain Heenan, uh, just uh, recently Rip Oliver was about to lose all of his property. And um, the Cauliflower Alley Club paid all of his back taxes so that he would keep his property and be able to give it to his children. And his, it just it made his life before he passed it, Billy, you Billy Jack Haynes who really pushed for that. And, you know, Billy, Billy's had kind of a checkered past and, you know, he'd, he'd be the first one to tell you that he's really turned into a stand up guy as far as I'm concerned. And, um, he really went to bat for uh, rip. And so we, we helped uh, rip saved his property, uh, saved lots of people's houses and their properties and, uh, gone way out of the way. Um, one of my one of my favorite stories I look up and see him here is uh, Brickhouse Brown. Um, I got a call from Rocky Johnson, my dear friend Rocky, who I miss so bad. He died January 15th of this year. And uh, Rocky said, uh, hey, Brian, you know, Brickhouse Brown. And I said, uh, I've heard of him. And I know that actually that he broke in in Florida. Uh, uh, with Hiro Matsuda, the same person that I broke in with. And but we just never crossed paths in the same territories. And he said, well, uh, he's got cancer. His wife left him and he's really down. Uh, would you mind giving him a call? And so I called him. And God, we became just like the best of friends. And um, we, we got him. Um, he, he couldn't get on disability. He was trying and trying. And um, he, uh, Bruce Tharp, one of our attorneys, helped him find a good uh, disability attorney. Um, we then, um, you know, he, he hadn't had a cancer screening they were just giving him pain pills because he had no insurance it was the saddest thing mm -hmm. and uh, I, I couldn't believe this was happening in america and so we got him as uh went sent him to one doctor and he calls me and he said uh, brian i went to the doctor 
I can't believe you guys paid 500 and something dollars for the doctor. And I'm telling him, don't worry, don't worry, because he's almost in tears over the $500. So we have very generous members. They're wonderful. You just, you know, if you get time, thank the members. If you feel like it, if you don't, it's okay. And uh, the doctor wanted to actually remove his testicles and told him he had stage four cancer. So he's freaking out because the doctor wanted him to go to the hospital the very next night and have his testicles removed. And I said, no, 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 get another opinion. And he's, oh, no, 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 I can't spend another $500. I don't really don't want to lose my testicles, but uh, go to another doctor, but this time we're going to get you the doctor. And so I'd call Bruce and say, hey, you know anybody in the area and he checks around we find him a good doctor and the doctor says no we don't have to take his remove his testicles they went up yes they confirmed stage four cancer so we got him uh, uh chemo and radiation we paid for that right away then the disability came in you know just in the right the timing worked out good he started getting checked where he could at least pay for his groceries and and uh, his medical bills and things like that and he lived another you know, six, eight months that he would have never lived. But had he known about the Cauliflower Alley Club, uh, Sean, he would be alive today. Yeah. That's, you know, guys have to realize that we're here for for them. Yeah. We're here for the guys. Yeah, and I, I, I want to talk more about the beginnings, but since we've, we've touched on, on this part of it, uh, you know, it it is so much more than back in the day of handing a guy an envelope. Um, how did this start to come about where it seems as though you've built a network over the years that it's so much more than, uh, okay, you need some money here where you've got, uh, you know, medical side of it, because a lot of these guys, you know, people, these guys are professional athletes. It's the same like guys that were the NFL, but they had a union that has been able to take care of them. These guys had nothing. They didn't make a whole lot during their careers and they may be living in a trailer somewhere uh, with the you know single wide there and and just barely getting by, how did it evolve where you built this network and really what does it consist of now? Well, it consists of first we have a reunion every year right. and we're about to have our fifty fifth reunion which we postponed from April and it's all uh, uh, Vegas is fully open right now at fifty percent capacity at some of the places um, but by September it'll be full capacity. So uh, we only lost uh, only 50 people. We were getting close to sold out. We only have 60 rooms left. Uh, that's it um, for our event, September 21st through the 23rd. Uh, they can um, all they have to do is purchase a reunion ticket. It's $125. You do have to be a member, which is $25 a year. You can join as a lifetime member for $300 a year at caulifloweralleyclub.org, and um, then we get rooms for $45 a night um, uh, for the, for your $125. It includes the whole deal. I mean, we have uh, uh, two wonderful meals, two great honoree nights. We have some fabulous honorees at, for the 55th um, uh, reunion. And one of the things, Jack Briscoe was one of my best friends. Uh, and when Jack passed, it, it crushed me. It really crushed me. And Jack was very proud of the Cauliflower Alley Club, even though, you know, they never gave him a dime. He never needed it. And um, on his obituaries, if you go back and look at Jack's obituaries, they listed um, uh, four or five of his top achievements, one being the NWA heavyweight champion, 
the uh, national uh, division one, uh, I believe 190 pound uh, division one champion. And uh, the fact that he was a men's wrestling honoree at the Cauliflower Alley Club and a Luthez honoree at the Cauliflower Alley Club. So it kind of gives you an idea of the prestige that goes along with being honored at the CAC. Yeah. And, uh, and, and for folks out there, I mean, anybody can come to this event. You don't have to be a part of the business uh, or uh, a former wrestler or anything like that. Anybody can go uh, if they can make their way to Vegas. Absolutely, Sean. As long as you're a nice people, and I will say up front, we have thrown a few people out for <laughs> but, yeah, a little rowdy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but it, it is, and, and I think a lot of people think of uh, of the of the event, and it is a, a great annual event. It brings a lot of attention to the club, and uh, they have some wonderful awards. And I was going through them uh, earlier and recognizing a lot of the names of people that I had the honor of working with. Uh, uh, Nick Bockwinkle was, of course, behind those scenes then, but other people as well. And uh, I think it, it's the, the number of awards has grown. But tell me a little bit about the meaning of these awards and, and the recognition that they uh, they give these people. Well, first off, the awards are are, are picked by our members. Our members, our, our, our life members send in. Uh, who they think there's different categories. Uh, there's Luthez, <clears throat> there's a Mike Mazurki Award, there's a Men's Wrestling Award, a Men's uh, Women's Wrestling Award. There, and a woman can win any one, a Luthez or a Mike Mazurki Award. Uh, um, uh, a Lifetime Achievement Award is in there, I know as well. Yeah, Lifetime Achievement Award. We have a Licha Libra Award. Um, we have several other awards, and we kind of rotate them so that we have um, generally seven awards each night so that on Tuesday night and Wednesday night so that uh, we don't keep the crowd too long and we just make it just right and so they're hungry to come back the following year. One of the awards that we started um, with Brickhouse, he was the first recipient of the Courage Award. And the Courage Award this year is going to go to somebody, and we keep that a surprise, but this guy has battled and battled and battled, and he has hung so tough, it's amazing. And, um, or she, I, I should uh, leave yeah, it like let's, that. Let's and, leave it a mystery. <laughs> history uh, for history. And um, uh, it's, it's, it's just so dynamic. When the, pe- when, the, when the members get up there, they know that, they know the people, and, and all the honorees are so great because they come into our um, hospitality room. They sign autographs. All the guys are there. Some of them sell merchandise. Some of them just go there and sign autographs. They're just kind people. Some of them sign and charge you 10 bucks or whatever. But whatever, the people are glad to do it. And um, you got to remember that they all pay their own way there. Mm-hmm. We, you know, Even all the board members. According to our accountant, we are the most efficient most effective 501c3 in the United States of America. Right uh-huh. now, we are the most efficient dollar for dollar. We are we are giving away over 99% of the dollars that we take in. That's unheard of. And that's because we have an all-volunteer staff. And that's yeah. because the honorees fly themselves in. They only get a free reunion ticket and, um, uh, and a merchandising table. Wow. It really is. It's uh, an incredible organization. And I believe it started, it was uh, for wrestlers, boxers, and actors. 
Correct. Um, very much like they have, uh, you know, in Hollywood, they have these uh, these uh, organizations that take care of uh, former actors who uh, were along the same lines, didn't have the kind of protections that uh, they had back then. But it's just amazing to see not only how long it's been around, but the good works you guys have been able to do because, uh, you know, people really don't know the behind the scenes and, and they don't know what happens to a lot of these guys. They think they go off uh, somewhere and have a great place down in Florida and fish or play golf every day. And that is not the case for so many of them. And uh, you touched on it a little bit, Brian, but how do you how do you find these guys? Is it really just word of mouth or? Uh, you know, from what the other members or how, do, how does it work that you guys are able to uh, go in and, and help them out? Because, as you said, a lot of them are proud people, uh, right. both I, men and women, and uh, they they are not used to accepting help. Right. Exactly. And, uh, you know, Sean, it's people like you. Uh, they're generous with their podcast time to uh, let somebody uh, explain what the Cauliflower Alley Club's all about, uh, social media. It's uh, having the reunions. It's word of mouth by, via our members. And it's culminated into more mainstream. You know, we have wonderful ambassadors for the club. And our, our ambassadors kind of speak. Um, Jim Ross has been our most vocal ambassador. And Mark Henry, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Dwayne Johnson, um, Kevin Arquette, um, you know, Dallas Page, um, just uh, uh, tremendous guys that uh, go out and um, in their real, real cheerleaders, you know, Al Snow came the other day and uh, uh, gave a very nice contribution. And if you go to uh, collar and elbow t-shirts, you can round up to the next dollar and all that money comes to the Cauliflower Alley Club. So guys that love the Cauliflower Alley Club, they're getting and guys like Al that have uh, some, you know, some business savvy or thinking of ways to to help out because they see the benefit, you know, when they when they see the courage award and the, and the guys crying literally and saying how much they got from the Cauliflower Alley Club, they would have lost their house, they would have lost their life, they would have lost this, that, or the other, and um, every single member in there is got to feel a sense of of pride and accomplishment because just for joining the club you know when you join the club for $25 I mean, it's a little bit of money but you get four copies of the ear which is an award-winning newsletter uh, you've got a plaque which I have one hanging behind me uh, suitable for, for, uh, for I mean uh, uh, a uh, certificate suitable suitable for framing very nice and uh, for, just for $25, you get that. So, but we, because of Royal um, Duncan, who owns Duncan Publishing, you know, it helps us out a lot rather than, you know, to mail the ear out. It only costs us to mail um, 13, 1400 ears out. It costs us maybe $1,000 versus if we had to go to a publishing company and do that, it would cost us $5,000. Mm -hmm. So it does it at pure wholesale costs. We have our own writers, so we don't have to pay any writers. Uh, our own members are contributing writers. Um, and, and there's, you know, so many of the guys now that are uh, contributing all the time. Rod, Rob Van Dam, who will be the Luthez winner this year. I mean, he's always looking for ways to help out. Um, you know, as I mentioned, you know, the ambassadors are, they're always pounding us on the cheerleaders. I'll tell you what Dwayne did was was unbelievable when when rocky died um 
you know, it just kind of really tore me up. He, he became so close with Steve Kern, Buddy Colt, and I, and uh, him and his wife Sheila moved up uh, from Miami to Tampa, and we would go out to dinner all the time. They'd come to church with us. Um, just became like brothers, and yeah. of course, Dwayne knew that, and so in, in lieu of flowers, he said that uh, please send uh, all contributions uh, instead of flowers to the Cauliflower Alley Club. That alone raised thirty five, forty thousand dollars Wow. That's so, fantastic. Yeah. yeah and, and what are some of the stories, though, that, that stand out to you? You mentioned uh, Brickhouse. Um, what are some of the other stories that really stand out to you that, uh, the, that guys that were in desperate need that you guys were able to uh, come and help them out and improve their lives? Well, the people that I can speak of, uh, for example, Kamala owed uh, $13,000 and was about to have his house taken right from him. And this was not that long ago. So um, because in Mississippi, even though you can uh, do away with your homestead, uh, do away with your taxes, no more property taxes, you have a, a, a zero homestead exemption after you're 65. I mean, 100% home exemption, which creates a zero uh, tax liability um, at the age of 65. But if you owe any state taxes, you can't file for that exemption. So he owed, you know, three, four thousand dollars that he couldn't pay in, in the uh, uh, taxes from his wrestling days, uh, state taxes. And so we paid those, and uh, then we raised enough money to pay off all of his property taxes. So now all he, him and his wife fill out a simple form and they have no more property taxes. So we were able to save the Kamala family's home. Same thing with Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Uh, had $10,000 that he owed in arrears. Um, you know, that was taken care of. And, um, uh, you know, Paul uh, will have his home for the rest of his life now because they have the same issue, the same system in Georgia now. So um, he owes no money to the state. His, his property taxes are paid off. As long as they fill out the form each year, they have no tax liability from their homestead. Wow, that's fantastic. And, and folks, I, I, I just want to uh, again say that uh, you need to realize that some of these guys, some of the greatest uh, superstars to step into a ring, uh, you know, they may have made some money back then, but it, but uh, a lot of them, you know, it wasn't like millions of dollars that they could, or they didn't have 401ks. And if, if there's anything you can do, if you can contribute, I'm sure if it was $5, $10, it's, uh, and, and as Brian's saying, this is what 99% of all of the proceeds go to help these guys out. If you want to feel like that uh, you're a part of something and, and part of helping these guys that entertained you so much over the years, and this is going to be keep this is going to keep moving forward. You're going to see uh, a, the, a lot of uh, wrestlers who are going to need help uh, in uh, in the coming years because even though we're seeing some great strides made as far as the guys getting contracts now and there's other organizations. Look at look what we're going through right now. And uh, so if you can do it, please do it. Uh, tell me about the event, though. Uh, like I said, I mentioned Alfred used to love to go to that event. And he, he would just talk. He would get emotional talking about seeing these guys receive awards and, uh, and how much it, it means to them. I mean, I mean certainly it's got to be as big an honor as being elected into the uh, inducted into the uh, WWE Hall of Fame for some of these people, because we're talking the entire industry. 
Right. And and you're and you're basically picked by your peers. So yeah. what what greater honor? I mean, it's not Vince choosing you. It's uh or or Triple H or how, however their system is right there. Um it's you're actually being voted in by your peers. And um they they are very humbled. And when you mentioned Lord Alfred Hayes, one of the sweet one of the greatest kind of souls on earth, he actually um out of his clever talk, his clever speech, yeah, yeah. he he said um in one of our matches when we just started the uh the little mask switcheroo gimmick before we had the mask confusion name, uh Lord Alfred Hey said, I, I believe that's a bit of mass confusion, uh, <laughs> British accent. And uh, so we started calling it mass confusion because of Lord Alfred Hayes. So, uh-huh. you know, just so many people go there, um, young, old. I say, you know, it's it's where the future, uh, uh, the, the current, and the older generation all meet together and converge, and, and we're like just one heartbeat. You know, um, young, middle-aged, older, we all converge together. So there's something from everybody, whether uh, whether you're 18 or 88, you know, you're you're there, and everybody gets to be friends there. It's like, it's like a big homecoming, a big reunion. Um, we sell out with... Uh, 750 seats that's all we will hold although we'll have 3,000 people through the event we only allow 750 to actually purchase the reunion tickets and mm-hmm. only have 60 rooms left so yeah. uh, and we've got that what four months ago five months and, ago. and uh, besides the the dinner and the uh, the ward ceremony uh, other events going on around it with uh, people getting the opportunity to meet uh, some of these stars of yesterday and uh tell me about uh, what go- else goes on besides that uh event that where the awards are handed out well we have a hospitality room and it has some of the greatest photos from you know you go back and look at the swedish angel and all these different wrestlers i mean they have pictures from the ver- very beginning and the boards are alternated uh every year but they have the original pictures that they've collected for years and years and years, and they stay in our storage. We bring everything out for the uh, reunions in Vegas uh, at the Gold Coast Hotel and Casino. And um, so there's so, so much nostalgia. And then we, we have uh, cribbage tournaments, and Bob Borton Jr. is a, fun, it's a funny story. He worked and worked and worked to become the, uh, uh, until he finally won the cribbage champion. And he thought, <laughs> he, he was saying, well, don't I get to keep the pot? <laughs> and he, his heart seemed broken when he got a trophy instead of the pot, you know, because it's a ten dollar buy-in, and Bob thought he was going to win a hundred bucks or five hundred uh, bucks or whatever right. it was. And uh, he was the first guy that ever said that. But he's going to be back this year trying to. He said, "You know what, Brian? That trophy meant a lot more than money. I don't know why I said that." And so he kind of humbled himself by by saying that. And um, so he'll be there. He, he's looking really forward to being there. And you know, how often do you get to see these legends, these guys, you know, that really paved the way? And I, I was always taught um, when I was when I started in the business with Buddy Colt and the Briscoes and Hiro Matsuda, always respect, um, you know, the generation before you, which I always, always did. You know, I got to work with guys that were just leaving, um, 
the Angelo Pafos and the um, uh, the uh, uh, do, 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 do. I'm trying to think of the guy that because Angelo and um, the Vachans, Maurice. Oh yeah, the Vachans, yeah, Vachans. and I mean so many others too. Yeah. That, that uh, you, you're like that next generation. Yeah, so I got to wrestle some of their last matches. Yeah. Even Bob Orton Sr., I think I had his last match with them. You know, it's just wow. great, you know, and I always had such respect for them. You know, just, wow, I can't even believe that I'm getting in the ring with these guys. You know, Reggie Parks, uh, yeah. wonderful, wonderful guys that really paved the way. Without those guys, we would have never had this business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to take you back a little bit because – uh, you know, th- you look at the history, and that's what I think that part of this organization reminds people, because the the business has evolved. It is very different today than it was, and people can debate all day long whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but we can never forget uh, how this business came to be from the beginnings of these guys working in these territories and, and getting in cars and traveling across the country, uh, and, and you were... Uh, Part of this, you were really young then when it was all really starting to happen. But was that always important to you to, to never forget? And 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 the debt that you owe these veterans that uh, you know took you under their wing. Absolutely, absolutely. And I've always been a giver, and uh, I've I've taken a lot of knowledge. That's what I appreciate, and the wisdom. You know, I, I pray for wisdom every day. I think there's nothing more important than wisdom because when you gain wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, you have a different perspective on everything, and you can kind of uh, realize why this is happening and for what reason, and and what your purpose in life is. And and my purpose in life is to help the people that helped me to not have to worry about paying my light bill or my rent and um because of these people uh whether i was on the card with them or not they were part of this wonderful industry that i've been a part of and am still a part of and will be a part of as far as i'm concerned until i die and um it's the greatest industry in the world and so it's it's just such an honor for me to you know, to be um, to be able to say that I'm part of the Cauliflower Alley Club and uh, being an all volunteer organization, one of the hardest things to do, Sean, is to is to keep everybody together. So you've got to, there's a lot of people that say they want to do it, but when they get into the board and get or get on the executive board or the advisory board and uh, they realize that it's work, you know, you gotta you gotta pick the ones that are really gonna work and, yeah. and not complain sincere desire to to do that and we have got we've assembled such a wonderful team uh ron hutchison who is in canada our canadian ambassador royal duncan from royal publishing darlene uh cress who has uh, been a tremendous treasurer she took over for dean silverstone who recently passed away dean gave 27 years of his life uh he wrote a book called um uh, I ain't no pig farmer, not not the most glorious title, but yeah. the but the uh, the context of the book was fabulous. I didn't never realize that there was I had never wrestled in Portland, so um, what did we have thirty two territories or thirty four territories at one time, something like that. Yeah, um, and I got to see the I was blessed to see the evolution of the business to go to. TBS in 1984 
And we started uh, Tito Santana, Paul Orndorff, uh, Tony Atlas, Tommy Rich. We started going to um, uh, Wheeling, West Virginia and Columbus, Ohio. And um, people saw the power of cable television. So Vince McMahon Sr. saw the power of cable television, but he was so loyal to the NWA that he would never go into their territories. But he explained everything to Junior, and Junior's a quick study, and Junior realized it as well. And I knew shortly after after Senior died, which was a very sad time, he actually uh, wanted me to be B. Brian Blair rather than Brian Blair. He said, when you come back up, I want you to be B. Brian Blair. I know B's your nickname. And um, so... Uh, there's a lot of Brian Blair's Brian, but there's you're going to be the only B Brian Blair. And I said, yes, sir, Mister McMahon, whatever you want. Grateful, uh, wow. and uh, so I got to it stuck. <laughs> I, I got to yeah, exactly. Yeah, boy, everybody yeah. knows that name. Stories behind it, and um, so um, you know, I made uh, I made good money, and um, uh, fortunately made good investments, and. Um, you know, the rest were, was good. I, I was I, I was at opening match at times, and I was main event at other times. I worked all over the card, and believe me, you know, one of the things I, I, I can't stand is when people uh, downgrade an opening match or something. That's one of the most important matches on the card because it sets the tone. It's a package for everybody. You know, people use the word enhancement talent. Well, you know, I, in Florida, I've been the Florida heavyweight champion two times. I worked with all the with the world champions with uh, Flair many a times. With uh, been main event all over for WWE, uh, WWF, WWE. Um, and uh, been in the middle of the card. Tito Santana and I got Orndorff ready for uh, WrestleMania one, and that was our job, just to make Orndorff the top heel. And you had to know what, where your place is in your pecking order. And uh, you know, if you work hard enough, sooner you get your break and you get your breadcrumbs. And you know, you you know, there's only a few Hulk Hogan's and a few Rocks and a few Austins and so on, and uh, Undertakers, and whom are all my good friends. Uh, as far as I know, I don't have any enemies in the business. Uh, I, I just love all the boys and, and know all the boys. They're great people. You talk about that great career, uh, Brian, and it really was incredible. Uh, but most people remember your days with the WWF as the, the killer bees. And it was during an era there. And not only was I, I often refer to it as the golden era, but where tag teams were as on the same level with singles competition, I mean, we had just as many tag teams, I think, and they were really popular. What was it about that period of time that people love tag teams so much? Because we've never seen it again. And it's rare now that you see a tag team that sticks around and people remember and the competition is fierce. Uh, what was it about that time? Well, it's, uh, it's a great question. <laughs> i tell you why that's, such a great question, Sean, is because when I left the second time to come back to Florida in 84 to become uh, the Florida heavyweight champion for the second time, Vince wanted to bring me back to work for the Intercontinental title. Uh, that was the plan. And then I get a call from Terry Balea from Hulkster, and he says, hey, Brian, um, Vince has a great idea. He said, I really like it. I think it's going to be huge. He said he's, he wants to create a tag team division 
that is second to none. And I thought about you. He said, I know you want to come back as a single. And but I think there's a guy I know, Jim and Jump and Jim Brunsell. Do you know Jim? And I said, only from the wrestling magazines, you know, from, you know, wrestling talk, uh, wrestling speak. And um, of course, I heard he was a nice guy, Greg Ganya, High Flyers. And he said, oh, I think you and because he Vince had just robbed Terry from Vern. And if you know the story, yeah. uh, you know, Vince offered Vern a great deal. Uh, uh, Greg would have never had to work a day in his life. But, you know, Vern said, no, nah, I'm going to do it on my own. Wasn't that light. But uh, um, lo and behold, he then he got Mr. Perfect. He got Bobby the Brain. He got just robbed the, the, exactly after his, another. Yeah. Yeah, his dad, his dad knew the deal. Vince caught on. Vince knew the deal. Vince, Vince is a very, very bright man. Very bright man. When he gets focused and on something, um, you know, he had that idea for that tag team division, and so it was the Hart Foundation. You know, it was um, uh, just the demolition. Uh, one, uh, you can just go on and on. Running three towns a night. Yeah, yeah. So hot that we were running three towns a night. And um, so we call it the A, B, and C, uh, based on your bookings. You know, you know whether you were on the A, B, or C. But if you're on the C team, you know you'd always be main event wherever you went. Yeah. If you're on the B team, you'd be right up around the semi mains and stuff. And then if you were on the A team, you'd be in the middle of the car. So, but it was all good because basically Vince had figured out a pace scale that he figured everybody would be happy with and then guys started getting agents slowly started getting agents and making um better decisions which was great i remember when jesse uh wanted to start a union jesse ventura he came to me and wanted to start again and i said jesse i don't think that's gonna work brother because he was my roommate in kansas city for we lived at an adjoining apartments for the uh, central states for Geigo O'Connor and Harley Race. And we sold out the Coliseum when we were young and green. Great story, but I won't bore you right now. But we sold out the Coliseum for the first time in a year. And it was just a, a tremendous feeling as a green kid. And uh, Jesse and I would drive down the road and we'd talk and talk and talk. And of course, Jesse would talk 90% of the time and I'd listen. Yeah. To <laughs> you always have a great conversation with Jesse, as long as you yeah, let he, Jesse he'd talk about Jesse. Like, talk like this, you know, <laughs> that's that's it, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, um, when he came, he, I said, unless you get Hogan and Macho and everybody, you know, union's not going to work. He said, yeah, we can get enough guys. Hogan and Macho can't draw a crowd by themselves. I said, that's true. Jesse, but you can put Hogan and Macho and get enough of the other guys that don't want to do the union deal. I mean, you've got to get everybody on board, and it shouldn't be you organizing it. It should be a third party because you're going to get heat. Ah, screw it. I don't know. Well, then Brunzel jumped on the train, and a couple others jumped on the train, and they wound up with uh, two weeks off with no pay. Yeah. That was the end of that. Squashed it. And, uh, and then there's been other attempted insurrections that, that failed as well. But it's just amazing uh, that period of time, though. You can't capture it. It's never been done again. And it's just incredible that you were a part of it. Uh, Brian, I, uh, I have to tell you that, really, I commend you for doing what you're doing and, and giving back because I know you are so grateful for this business. And I'm telling you, as soon as we get off this conversation, I don't know why it's taking me so damn long, but I am going to become a member. 
I don't know why I haven't done it yet, but uh, this business has done uh, you know a lot for me. And uh, and you just go- besides all that, it's it's it, I, I I'm going to do it. And folks, uh, please do the same. And before we get off, I mean, tell folks how they can become a member. It's so simple. You go to caulifloweralleyclub.org uh, for $25. I think if you join, you could send a check and it's $25. Uh, all the information is right there, caulifloweralley.org. And uh, $25 gets you a one-year membership. Uh, it'll get you um, uh, four copies of our uh, award, award-winning newsletter. Uh, uh a certificate suitable for hanging. You can come to our reunions. Um, right up there. Uh, it's uh, for three hundred dollars. You can join for a life membership, which one hundred and fifty dollars of that is tax deductible. And um, it's it, to me, it's the greatest fraternity on earth. It's the closest fraternity on earth, and it's the greatest party that you'll ever have. I mean, these guys have created strut contests. There's wrestling matches two nights before. All this is included for the hundred and twenty-five dollars. Uh, they have strut contests. I saw this kid running through the uh, lobby of the Gold Coast about four years ago, and his chest was bleeding totally bleeding i said wow what happened to that kid and uh whoever was with me said i don't know two more kids coming and to get their chests are all welted up well um you know the members started a chop contest it's just gonna say i knew that oh gosh they have a strut contest contest. they have there's yeah and they're praying that it scars so they can tell that story forever right there you go sean there you go sean and We've got uh, we've got tremendous seminars from people that give great seminars. All and all that stuff's included in your in your reunion ticket. Yeah, well, uh, folks, and also you can donate there. And remember, every penny of it's going to uh, help these guys out that uh, you love so much. And uh, Brian, really, thank you so much. And folks, check out the episode with B. Brian Blair, uh, Primetime with Sean Mooney. It is a fantastic episode. He talks about. Some of the greatest stories of Leroy McGurk and just uh, what it really gives you a taste. If, if you want to know what it was like to grow up during that era, because I think you did, Brian, and uh, had a fantastic career. You got to check it out. But I tell you, I'm, I'm joining. As soon as we, we hang up here, Brian, I'm, 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 I'm getting on board and I'd love to come to a, one of the events. I've got to make that trip. Oh, thank you, Sean. And can I also say that I'm writing a book now. I've been writing it for over a year now. We're about three quarters of the way through. And if you think those stories are great, I've saved some of the best. You saved a few. Uh, <laughs> When's it, when, when are we going to see it? Uh, you'll see it before the end of the year. And um, you'll see, you know, I've been to places. Have you ever heard of Kota Kintabalu in the I island know. of Saba? No, I can honestly say no. I actually have the tickets that will be printed in the book. Um, with the Killer Bees photo on there. Frenchie Martin was there, the Nasty Boys. I mean, we actually literally had a riot there, and I've got you got to hear the story about Kota Kintabalu on the island of Saba, the pygmy headhunters. The places I've been to, uh, you know, I, I would never imagine that this would ever happen um, to me again. I'm, I'm just blessed to have uh, been a part of this industry, to be a part of this industry, to have people that are kind like you and uh, that appreciate uh, the work that we did, uh, the work that we cumulatively did together and uh, to make the world of professional wrestling the greatest sport on earth. Okay. Give me the website one more time. Caulifloweralleyclub.org. 
All right, folks, you got it. Be Brian Blair, thank you so much. It's uh, really been an honor once again. I hope you see, uh, see you down the road. Uh, folks, we've, of course, got another great conversation on the way for next week, but uh, really enjoyed this one. And, uh, Brian, you take care. Folks, thanks for tuning in. I'm Sean Mooney, and I am out. <laughs>